1: They'll be making their way back tomorrow. Hope they're having a good time. having a good time today. And be safe traveling back tomorrow. A couple of announcements. Um, a couple that are in the bulletin. Um, we'll try to put these. I think it's on Facebook. And we'll send these out. Um, the kids are going to go skating. And well, you can do that there. We may take the bus. We just haven't worked out all the details yet, but we'll put all the particulars uh, online and let everybody know if we're going to do that. February the 26th. And then we're also taking uh, orders for t shirts, uh, sweatshirts, short sleeve long sleeves. Prices range right from 27 to $45, dollars, I think. Uh, those are right for the mission trip. If you want to make a gift to put up some of the, the playground pictures, they're, they're taking up an offering for different playground equipment to, um, to go with what we've got. Some of uh, what we've got is diminished uh, and then uh, they would add to it. So there's a, I think, serious love envelope that, 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 that may be out in that little festival area. Uh, if you want to give to that, you can do that. Just be sure to put it in that envelope. You can put it in the giving box also. You know, and yeah, sign up. I'm doing a on notes. You can do it on Facebook. We'll send out another notification on Monday. On Tacos this week. And uh, that's a fundraiser for the mission team. right to Alaska. All right. Well, let's have a word of prayer. We'll take our offering um, and begin our worship together. I think you want to stand on this, all right? All right. So let's stand. Not going to, you know, move. We'll welcome you in a minute. minute. Um, but let's pray. Father, thank you. For a time together, for an opportunity to worship and praise the Lord this morning as we stand in your presence, we acknowledge your greatness, your glory, and your goodness. Lord, take the (laughs)
2: The presence of We are the 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 I <laughs>
1: Visiting with us today, we want to say a word of welcome to you. If you're visiting online, we want to say a word of welcome to you. But um, we going to get a chance to thank, turn and greet your guest and neighbors. You can bump elbows, fist, shake hands, hope nuts, whatever you're comfortable with, right. Like. But uh, once we do that, we'll continue our worshiping and singing the fellowship chorus together. But right now, turn and greet your guest and neighbor, please. <laughs>
2: The <laughs> first His name is wonderful. is is wonderful. Jesus, Oh, <laughs>
1: Take your Bible this morning and open to Ephesians 5. Our little guys, you can make your way to children's church. to to be a pure. Take your Bible and open to Ephesians 5. We're in a series, just a short series, taken from Ephesians 5 and verse 1. Paul says to be imitators of God as beloved children. And last week we looked at what that means. Because he gives us uh, about three things in this particular chapter to consider. Last week we talked about how we are to walk in love. Now today I want to see the second thing that, that Paul mentions in this chapter. That we are to walk in the light. And then next week we'll talk about walking in wisdom. But I want to pick up now in verse 8. Ephesians 5 verse 8. And... Uh, after he's talked about living in love, living in that love that God has and exercising that love in the way that we live, he says, Therefore now, I do not become partakers with the, the world, with those who don't walk in love. And then he changes the, the, the thought from love to life. In verse 8 he says, For at one time, But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine upon you. In 1964, there was a folk song about New Orleans, and New Orleans brothel. That had become a transatlantic hit for one British rock band, the Animals. Maybe you remember them, but they recorded and released this old folk song. It landed at uh, number one in the UK on July the ninth, which was interesting enough for me because that's my birthday. Um, in case you forgot, by the way, I just let you know. Um, and then it also hit number one in America on September the fifth night. 64. The song tells the story of a person's life that had gone horribly wrong in the city of New Orleans. Most notable in the many versions that's been recorded through the years, there's the urging to siblings and parents and children to avoid the same fate, to avoid the same snare. Lyrics are even more powerful than what they recorded. I want to give you those lyrics as we think about today living uh, in the light, walking in the light. Listen to what that old song says. There is a house in New Orleans they call the Rising Sun. It's been the ruin of many a poor girl. The animals change it to a boy, but in the original version it's a girl. It's been the ruin of many a poor girl. And me, oh God, for If I had listened to what my mama said, I'd be home today. Being so young and foolish, poor boy, let a rambler lead me astray. But tell my baby sister never do like I have done, to shun that house in New Orleans they call the rising sun. My mother, she's a tailor, she's sold. These new blue jeans. My sweetheart, he's a drunkard. Lord, drinks down in New Orleans. The only thing a drunkard needs is a suitcase and a trunk. The only time he's satisfied is when he's on a drunk. Bills his glasses to the brim, passes them around. Only pleasure he gets out of life is elbowing from town to town. I want you to listen to this next lyric. This next. Next verse, because she's, she's expressing how she's trapped in this life of sin. One foot is on the platform, the other is on the train. I'm going back to New Orleans, the world, that ball and chain. Going back to New Orleans, my race is almost run. Right. Going back to spend the rest of my day. Sin and darkness is a reality for every Christian struggling over sin and temptation, trying to avoid that downward pull and that downward spiral of sin. Amazingly enough, it is the most common researched and written about topic in all of the human experience. It should be. shouldn't surprise us. That fight goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden, to the first two folks, the Bible tells us about whoever lived, Adam and Eve. When I ask you a question this morning, I've thought about this, and I'll give you my answer. I want you to think about it for just a moment. Why do we sin? Why do we sin? Well, I think the simple answer is this, because we want to. You know, that word sin is a big word in the Bible. The Bible talks much about sin. Unfortunately, I think even though the Bible talks much about sin, we still misunderstand it. The Bible says that uh, sin is when we miss the mark of God's glory. It's the idea of the word they say in the original language is uh, the idea of a marcher handing an arrow and shooting a target or a bullseye, and the arrow flies off course and misses the bullseye. That's the idea of sin. It's missing the mark of God's glory. But live that I think it's much bigger than that. Because, you see, sin just isn't an action only. Sin, as the Bible goes on to tell us, is also connected to our affections. David Bowden wrote a book called Rewind Your Heart. Where the subtitle is Replacing the Desire for Sin with a Desire for God. He defines sin this way. Listen to what he says. Sin is a force, a power an influence that works in our hearts. The deep tendrils of sin in our heart wrap not only around our actions, he says, but our desires, our emotions, and intentions. You see, many Christians believe that the only way to fight against sin is to kind of grit your teeth and and stubbornly resist, to bear up under the, the fight emotional, spiritual, physical result to defeat it. You're the hardest enemy to say no to. Successful, rather defeating sin if we gave up the weapon of willpower and used a different weapon. You say, what weapon is that? Well, the weapon is not saying no to sin, but saying yes to God. That's the secret. You see, I think what we most love and what we most hate will determine the way the war is played out in our heart. The question isn't When we put the focus upon our love for God, it gets easier. I why Paul says to these Christians in the uh, opening part of this letter to you, uh, to the Christians in Ephesus, you are in Ephesus, but you are also the faithful who are in Christ Jesus. Yes, you're in the world, but don't forget that you're in Christ. And the reasons that our sins don't go away is that the truth is we still find satisfaction and assurance and validation and comfort and enjoyment and even worth in all our sins. We get something in return for it. It may be temporary. It, it, it may not be lasting. It, it, it may not be fully as satisfying and ultimately as the things of God. But we do get something when we sin, if nothing else than pleasure. But until we can replace those things with the joy that comes in Christ, in the relationship we have in Him, sin always will win. That's what's at the heart of being an imitator of God. To be an imitator of God is to say that I love God and I desire God so much. This illustration about Christ and sin and our relationship to both. He says, when Christ was in the world, he was like the sun shining. When the sun sets, the moon comes up. The moon is a picture of believers, the church. The church shines but not with its own light. It shines with the reflected light, he said. At times, the church has been a full moon dazzling the world with almost a daylight light. Those were times of great enlightenment. For example, in the days of Paul, the days of Luther, and Wesley, At other times the church has been only a thumbnail moon. And in those days, very little light shone upon the earth. But whether the church is a full moon or a thumbnail moon, whether waxing or waning it still reflects the light of Christ. He says, our light does not originate with us. Pretty good illustration. I think there's a lot of truth in that. But then as I was studying this, I got to thinking about something that Paul says that Dr. Barnhouse kind of misses here in verse 8. For at one time in verse 8, you were done. Yes, you are light in the Lord. Paul is saying that our light is derived from Jesus, but not as some ray of reflection. Somehow, and in some mystical, mysterious way, we incorporate Christ in our life. In His light, His light becomes our light. However imperfect it may be, there is a miracle that takes place. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 4, Peter says, that we participate in the divine nature, somehow when we're born again in Christ, in God, the holy divine nature of God gets replicated into our DNA. So authentic is our participation, so real is our life. That in eternity, we will actually be part of the light. We don't have to create something within us to make it all possible. Christ has already done all the heavy lifting. Christ has already done all that's necessary for us to be light in this world. All that we have to do is embrace Him. Christ in us. All we have to do is accept that He is in us. And when we embrace Him, then what we find is that there is love. When we embrace that He is in us, then we find there is life. So, with that thought in mind, what does it mean to embrace Christ in us? What does it do then? How does it work in our lives? Well, let me give you three things real quick Number one, when Christ is in us, He will radiate His life through us. Twenty-seven verses 8 through 10. Notice a couple things here. Christ's life. In us brings a change of character. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. well, as children of the light. As children of God, we cannot be partakers of sin, because there can be no fellowship with sin. There's no fellowship between light and darkness. God has created a rule. It's a physical rule, but it's it's not just a physical rule. It's a spiritual rule. The light always drives out of darkness. doesn't matter how deep the darkness is. I um, forget years ago, Pam and I went to Mammoth Caves there in Kentucky. We went down into the deep, uh, the of that cave system, and the uh, park ranger who was the guided tour on, on, uh, on the hiking trip through the caves he got us down. And he said, okay, we're going to turn out all the lights, and we want you to see what darkness really is. The lights out, and I'll tell you, I've never experienced that level of darkness in my life. It was like darkness clothed you. It, you can wear it. It was so dark. You couldn't see your hand in front of your face. He gave us some times to, to let our eyes transition, and still, after time, you couldn't see. I, I knew my new was standing next to me. I could reach over there, and I could touch her, and I could figure, but I couldn't see her. Then he said, I'm going to show you the power of light. And he struck a simple, single match. And the deep, clothing darkness of that cave, in eternal to one single match, was light. Light cannot coexist with darkness. It's just not in the material world, it's also in the spiritual world. Biblical morality is always a matter of light or darkness, truth or falsehood, good or bad, right or wrong. You know, there in a movie Shades of Gray. Never did see it, don't want to. But I'll tell you this so you know, there are no shades of greed with God. Paul recognizes that once we were in darkness, but now we are light. Now some allowances perhaps to be made for the unsaved. For once, we were blinded by the gods of this world, but now we're children of light. And as children of light, there's no excuse for sin, no excuse for immoral lives. Now, that's one of the big things that's being pushed on the church and on the Christian uh, faith today is to what God has called sin, and what God has said is an abomination to Him. The world says, Well, we need to tolerate, we need to excuse, we need to accept, we need to sneak in, we need to slide it under the door, we need to change what God says, we need to change how we feel, we need to revive, God says Every person on this world could, could stand up in unity and say, This is acceptable, but if God has said it is an abomination, that it is sin. It doesn't matter how many voices cry aloud in unity in this world to accept something God says is unacceptable. And as children of God, we, listen, must accept what God says about good and bad, light and darkness. Sin was once a way from our life, but it is no longer our character's changed. Do Christians ever sin? No, that's, that's not true. Some of the biggest sinners out there are Christians. But you see, there's a difference. You see, it doesn't only really change the character, it changes our conduct for the fruit of the light. is found in all that is good, right, and true. The attitude towards sin is changed. It's not the same. You don't sin and get away with it. You may sin and feel good about it. off from God, but you don't sin as a lost person would sin. And, and, and truly, once you've been saved, your life changes, Now there's fruit of life. There should be godly fruit. What kind of fruit are we talking about? Well, Paul talks about that to the Galatian Christians over in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 talks about the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, gentleness. Against such things there is no longer those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. There should be godly fruit. There should be godly fellowship. Jesus was a friend of sinners. But Jesus never partook in sin with sinners. There is a difference from being a singer, a friend to a drunkard, and being a drunkard yourself. There should be godly faithfulness. Verse 10. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord, what pleases God. Listen, where the light of Christ truly radiates, it brings a change of character and a change of conduct. Now, number two. When Christ What is wrong within us, verse 11 and twelve. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them for it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. Let me say there is no compromise with darkness. The King James says, I think it even stronger. I have no fellowship, in verse 11, with the unfruitful works of darkness, but the world says, well, live and let live. The world says the worst thing you can do is be an intolerant person. If you want to be the best sort of person, tolerate life choices and lifestyles. You deny someone what they want to be and what they want to do in life is wrong. But God says no. God makes it clear that instead of showing the spirit of tolerance towards the Works of darkness, we are to take a firm stand against it. That Greek word reprove means to convict. Sometimes we reprove directly. Sometimes we reprove indirectly. But we never approve a sin. Sometimes we stand up and we say to someone, that's wrong, that's not right, that's sin, that's not acceptable. But sometimes we do it indirectly and Maybe not a pointed finger or a statement, but we just live it out in our lives. Our lives ought to be lives that reprove this word of their sin. Sin is what nailed Jesus to the cross. To make light of sin is to make light of the nails that Jesus bore on Calvary's cross. There's to be no conversing with darkness. Verse 12, it's a shameful thing to even speak of the things that they do in secret. You know, today, T V shows, radio shows, I mean it's it everything's it, about shocking, being shocking, shock shock television, shock radio. allow their, their kindergarten classes to sit. I mean, when I see a news report that says that, that, you know, there was a public library or there was a school that allowed some transgendered dude or whatever to come in and some sort of Las uh, Vegas outfit, pole dance for the say that's okay. Shame book for verses is treated as a theme of entertainment. With public pandering and a list for more. If we're not careful, Christians can be caught up in this openness. Holy Spirit says, don't you go down that road. Don't you go the way of world?" When there's subjects that come up, don't, don't talk about those things. Those things are evil. Don't join in with it. When Christ is in us, he repudiates what's wrong within us. When Christ, this is third, when Christ is in us, he will regenerate what is needed for us. Verses 13 14. But when is by the light, it becomes visible, for anything that becomes light is visible. Therefore, it, it says, o wake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine upon you. Let us work with the Spirit here. That word exposed is the Greek word elohoo. It means to sternly admonish. The Lord uses this word to describe the conviction. Of the Holy Spirit in the work of the human heart. John 16, verse 18, Jesus said it this way When he comes, he will reprove or expose the world of sin and the righteousness and the judgment to come. And so, what what Paul is saying here is when anything is reproved, convicted by the Holy Spirit, by the light, it becomes, listen. Holy Spirit is to bring secret works of darkness into the light. Our folks don't like coming to church and don't like to sit and listen to preaching because you see, part of what is happening is the Holy Spirit what uncovers the darkness of our life. And, 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 and it's the ugly things of our life that 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 that, that shake us. You ever open up a cabinet door or maybe pull or back, or some flooring back, and all those little ugly bugs just begin to, you know, run for cover. You go, know, oh. Sometimes that's the way it feels when we come before God, before His Word, before the work of the Holy Spirit. But notice the work of the Savior. This is the beautiful part. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, It says, awake old sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Light and life go together. Life craves, light and cannot in its higher forms exist without you. I knew the sermon topic this week, going into this week, I knew we were. Most often, the hardest thing to come up with in a sermon, believe it or not, is the opening. And it's not kind of unfamiliar to uh, to actually write the sermon and not have the opening written. It most often comes last. And you want to have a good opening to catch people's attention to kind of somewhat tell the story of what the whole sermon is about. But in a rather bad way, my no opening. It's amazing what's on YouTube, and one of the things that. I- in your brain, But the house of the rising sun, it's basically you know, you're living your life in sin, and you wake up every morning, the sun is risen, and there you are trapped in sin again. So I had this illustration. I was kind of telling Tony, and that was about Wednesday night, because I know they musicians, that they know the song. And I'd even heard it. And there's a version of it. I put it on Facebook where they sing the house of the rising sun, and the version the animals did, and then they sing amazing. go to my Facebook page, but then they sing Amazing Grace to the tune of the house of the rising sun, and in the end, they sing both um, the verse of Amazing Grace and the house of the rising sun at the same time. It's beautiful, because what happens is you realize that's the battle. On one hand, there's sin, and then on the other hand, there's the grace of God, and then at the end, which we you choose? So, I mean, I've got all of that going on this week, and then, Thursday came around, and Thursday, if you didn't know, was Sermon Writing Day, and um, I had begun to really go through the outline and work on the text itself in a more detailed manner. So i get down to verse 14. For if anything that becomes visible is light, therefore it, it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ knows of this, was are what the, 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 the Greek uh, lexicon said. That Greek word describes the rising of the sun. Okay. That's the opening word they gave me. Money. Christ will rise upon the believer. But the whole verse is pointed back to. Isaiah 60 verses 1 and 2. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the people, but the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. I thought you have got to be kidding me. I researched Isaiah. And it, it's, it's a picture of the, uh, the, the, the sun will shine upon your house as a blessing of God if you are children of life. And I thought, God, you've taken this, this, this song that is the, the mirror of our life and sin, you know, the house of the rising sun, and you said, but yet there's a different choice. You can have my son up upon you. And you can have a new life and a new love, and a, a new life. What well, is actually different about me now. Ever wondered that? What's different about being a Christian? I'm give you a, an answer that, uh, that I got this week, and I never thought about it until I was reading it thoroughly. What's the difference now in the word Christian? Can I give it to you in one word? Freedom. We tend to define freedom said that we freedom in a worldly way. We say freedom is doing what you want to do, when you want to do it, how you want to do it. God says, no, that's not freedom. You know what that is? Doing what you want, when you want, how you want, while you want. That's what we're sung about in that song, the so, that's the rising Sun." That's the ball God, the freedom of the Bible. First of all, there is the freedom of God. God is free, absolutely free. Yet there are some things God is not free to do, not by way of his character or his nature. But let me tell you, God has the highest possible quality of freedom that exists. There are certain things God doesn't do because he is holy. And as a child of God, there's things we don't do, we don't say, we don't, we don't we don't imitate because why? We are children of God. It doesn't mean that we're some sort of uh, slave in a unfree way. No, it just means we're free like God is free. There's freedom from sin. Biblical freedom means we are no longer free from the bondage. Um, biblical freedom means we're no, we are free from the bondage of sin. We're no longer slaves. Satan holds no power over me. Christ has set us up free. Then we're free indeed. My Tuesday Bible study group this week, I was so proud of them. Uh, they came and had their Bible study. Then went over to Jackson, went to Rafa. Mr. Richard was with them. He came in this morning. This is this morning. I didn't know anything about all this. until this morning. Mr. Richard came in. We're having a, a coffee before a church. He said, babe, it was great. You wouldn't believe it. Preacher Tuesday was a wonderful day. I used to be at Rifle. I was one of the people they ministered to. For about 10 years of my life, I was one of those street individuals. Hooked on drugs, living at the bottom end of life, not knowing what my next day would bring, you know, hoping for the next meal. And yet, here I am, all these years later, and I'm serving and I'm ministering. Tell those men and women, you can make it. You can be free from sin. Richard's testimony is there's freedom in Christ. There's freedom of God. There's freedom from sin. And Listen, there's freedom of eternity and us, Folks, we're all a work in progress. Thank God I'm not what I was, but thank God he still has something greater in store for me. Beyond what any sin or any demon or any Satan can touch, even what I can do in messing up my own life, God's still got something greater for me because He's in me and I'm in Him. Well, there it is. save ourselves. We can't be good enough to save ourselves. We can't work our way in that. All we can do is come to the foot of the cross and cry for mercy. But God, in that moment, where we cry out of your mercy, you show us your grace. You lift us up out of the dirt, out of the darkness, out of the brokenness of our life. And when we invite you into our in our life that you you take up a residence you become part of our DNA we become DNA heirs, children perhaps someone here did Decisions made need to be made today. This is the moment. This is the time. Every Christian praying for this moment, for that person, for that child of God, to make public what you've done. That we too may rejoice and pray for them. That
0: in your name, Jesus, today. Amen. If the Lord spoke in you come. We pray God's blessings upon you as you worship with us today. If God has led you to make a decision today for Jesus, we would love to hear about it. We invite you to come to our website, cometothecross.net. Our online decision card will allow you to tell us about the decision that you're making. All decisions, all contacts are kept private and are confidential. However, we would be able to pray for you and perhaps I'd even be able to call you and pray with you about what God has led you to do if you so desire. So fill out the form, let us know, and just know that we love you and God loves you, and we're excited that you're taking this first step for God today.